evening and welcome to episode 209 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your proud host, Howard Kravitz. Thank you very much for joining us on a very special podcast I've been waiting for for a long time with two fantastic guests. We are expecting a big live audience tonight, so please make sure you do a few things for us. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. That'll tell YouTube this is a fantastic podcast and will bring horse players to our show. We'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe if you've not done that already. Then smash that notification bell, which will tell you when our new content will arise so you don't have to jump onto YouTube all the time. And then also we'd really appreciate if you smashed that like button, that thumbs up button. Again, that will send people to the podcast. You can see my name tag on the bottom of the screen. At H Kravitz is my Twitter handle. Please follow there. And also on the bottom of the screen on the scroll, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Please feel free to email with any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Check us out there as well. We have Power Picks. It's basically a tip sheet. It's been excellent overall. ROI is close to $2.50. As you can see on the bottom of the screen, it, it costs $16 a month. That's it. It's only $4 every weekend. We give spot plays, price plays. Uh, most of you know already if you've been following the show. It's through Patreon. Highly recommend you check it out. It's been very profitable. Uh, profitable. Patreon.com right there. And then, of course, we have a fantastic website also, HHHRacingPodcast.com, where you can find out more about the show. All right. So let me bring on my uh, co-host. The plan here tonight, uh, just for everyone knows, is we're going to have a mystery guest, a TV personality. Don't want to say who, but this person will be on very shortly. Uh, And I know that our our co-hosts don't even know uh, who it is uh, also. So this person will be on in a few minutes. And then approximately 8.30 Eastern Standard Time, we will have one of the best trainers in the world, Mr. Chad Brown, will be on the show here live to talk to us and answer questions as well. So we're very excited about all that. So before we bring on our mystery guests, let me bring on some people who are mysterious, but they're also my co-hosts. First of all, from the Saratoga Special, Mr. Paul Halloran from the East Coast of Maryland, Pete Visco, and my good friend from Arlington, from right in the Chicago area, Mr. Kyle Roscoe. Guys, how are we doing tonight? What's happening? Excellent. Doing well. Doing Fantastic. well. Uh, is, it, is it a warm out east as it is here? It's like, I think this is our last warm weather day, guys, in Chicago. It's like 55 here today, but it's supposed to get very cold soon. <laughs> Dean, Paul? It's not yeah, too bad like here. I mean, yeah, I, it was good here. Yeah, High 40s today, maybe. 50. All right. Well, that's that's not too bad. Could, yeah, Paul, be- Paul's in the, where you get the real cold. Oh. Paul, the real cold comes up there, Paul. Huh? Could be worse. Uh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Me too. <laughs> um, Paul, just let everyone know. Why don't you tell people where you are? Because you're. You, we don't have perfect, you know, uh, Wi-Fi with you tonight because you're not at home. So you want to just tell people uh, what's going on with you tonight? <laughs> yeah, I'm coming to you live from the campus of Northern Essex Community College in Haverhill, Massachusetts, about 25 miles north of Boston. I just got off the court, adjudicating a 
junior college basketball game. They were nice enough to give me a little office space up here. I told them I had a very important engagement at 8 o'clock. <laughs> Terrific. Well, we appreciate you being on, and uh, we apologize for the, you know, the, the, the little delay there with Paul, but everything should be fine. Uh, guys, I wanted to say something very briefly before we get started. Let me change the background here. And I also wanted to put up uh, something on the screen here, put up our banner, our, our logo there on the screen. There we go, next to Pete. Um, I want to say something to our audience. Uh, I want to make this just very clear to everyone. I also uh, put it on our uh, chat. Um, we would very much appreciate if you're going to have any comments in the live chat tonight, you keep them to horse racing uh, and you be respectful. Um, that's the only thing we ask. Be respectful um, and keep the questions to horse racing. Uh, realize that um, it, we're very excited to have our guests on tonight. But we also want to make sure that we are all respectful. I could have easily, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there that are uh, watching right now and who will listen later, I could have very easily done this as a tape show um, with no ability to ask questions of our wonderful guests tonight. I didn't want to do that. Um, anyone knows the character of anyone on this on the screen right now knows what we're about. So I just appreciate everyone being on the show and listening and watching tonight. But please make sure your comments are um, respectful and about horse racing. Otherwise, we will delete them and we will block you from that. And we really don't want to do that. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me take the banner down. Without further ado, our mystery guest, uh, if you can hear me, get a little thumbs up, mystery guest in the background there. Wonderful. This person is ready. Um, I know everyone on this show, and just so our mystery guest knows in the background, only myself, I'm the only one that knows this person is about to come on our show. So our co's are very excited. They're waiting. Who is it going to be? Ladies and gentlemen, from NBC Sports, Miss Brittany Erden. Brittany, how are you doing tonight? I, that was quite the lead-in. I feel like there's going to be a serious sense of disappointment of who the mystery guest was. But thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Brittany, not at all. We are all very big fans. We really appreciate you coming on the show. And I know there's one person for sure, and he's in the top, the top right-hand corner there, that is by far your biggest fan. Paul, you asked me to get Brittany here on the show. She's a hard person to get on, but we finally were able to do it. Paul, that's my early Christmas hey, gift for you, sir. This, there you go. I, I just... Hope this is. I just hope this doesn't hurt her career. Her career has been going tremendous <laughs> thus far. So hopefully, Brittany, this will not bring you down. Welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I know that some of my colleagues have been on the show as well, and their careers seem just fine. So we'll be good. <laughs> I think so. Well, Brittany, we know you're very busy. We really appreciate you being on the show. Before we get to our very popular segment called 10 Minutes mm -hmm. to Post, which is 10 fun questions. Might be horse racing, might be not. Um, a lot of people sort of have the feeling that the racing season is over now with the Breeders' Cup and Thanksgiving weekend, but not at all. This is a big weekend coming up in New York and at Del Mar for the Turf Festival. And then also, of course, we have opening day at Santa Anita uh, at the end of December with the Malibu. Can you tell everyone you know, where we can see you on TV and talk a little bit about the races coming up the rest of 2022? Because horse racing is not done at all by any means this year. No, uh, my schedule surely says that racing is not done. It's it's year round, right? We obviously have the highlights where you got the spring season with the Triple Crown races, and then you've got all the Breeders' Cup Challenge Series races in lead up to the World Championships. But no, we've got Delmar Fall Meet, which is 
for anybody that hasn't been to the Bean Crosby meeting, it's so much fun. It's completely different than the chaos and craziness of the summer meeting. So we have the Turf Festival, as you mentioned. Um, Hollywood Park, RIP, we definitely miss it. It's uh, it's sad to have lost one of my favorite racetracks that I kind of grew up at, but Del Mar has taken over a lot of those stakes races, which is fantastic. So they pay homage to those. And David Jerkins, the racing secretary at Del Mar, was telling me that because we're going a week later, normally we would wrap up Thanksgiving weekend, but we're going one more weekend into December. He said, let's split up the turf, turf festival, have people enjoy another week. So we've got not just one, but two grade one races coming up from Del Mar this weekend, and then opening day at Santa Anita. I mean, it's Christmas the day after Christmas. Boxing day as the the. <laughs> I <Brit> believe <laughs> so. Brittany, I've been, I've been to, I'm from the Chicago area. I've only been to Santa Anita once, but I will be there next year for the Breeders' Cup. And the one time I was there was on opening day for the Malibu, but it was a few years ago. And you might recall, there was some horrible weather a few days before, and they actually had to push it back. Uh, a few days. I think it was 2019. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, so that was sort of a strange scenario. I don't know if you recall that situation, but there, there was like some snow in the San Gabriels. It was pretty crazy. We are not used to weather in Southern California. Uh, so any sort of a speck of rain that comes down, uh, we don't know how we lose our minds. Uh, but same thing happened at Del Mar over Thanksgiving. They saw the forecast and we were going to have to cancel racing. They pushed it back. So fingers crossed. We don't have to do that again. We've been pretty lucky to have some really beautiful, crisp weather out here. Uh, if rain is going to come, let's just have it be not on a race day. Oh, for sure. Let's keep keep the rain away. Del Mar is beautiful. Um, I was there for the first time for the Breeders' Cup last year. So I love California mm -hmm. racing. And we really appreciate you having on. Um, Brady, let's jump right to 10 minutes to post because I know we have a okay. short time with you. And again, you can. it's more rapid fire. If you want to answer in five seconds, a minute, it's really up to you. Um, so expound as much as you like. And I do have even a little feature for it. Here we go. It is 10 minutes to post. 10 minutes to post. All right, Brittany, here we go. These are, we're going to alternate. I'm so nervous. Oh, no, you'll just be fine. Every, everyone, <laughs> everyone handle these questions just fine. These are all coming from uh, myself. However, what we're going to do, Brittany, is each of our co-hosts will alternate answering a question. And Pete, Ooh. Paul, and Kyle will just go uh, – you know, in clockwise. So Pete, you'll be second. Oh, First question, fine. Brittany, are you ready for 10 minutes to post? We'll find out. All right, here we go. Questions are going to be on the bottom of the screen as well, Brittany. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the first moment you fell in love with horse racing? Oh my gosh. Um, probably when I was five years old and it's the first memory I have of actually going back to the barn. You fall in love with the horses, in my opinion, before you fall in love with the racing aspect of it. So I grew up at the track. How could you not fall in love? So the first moment I went to the barn. Perfect. I think that's a great answer. Pete, you've got the second one. It's a bit open-ended. I'd like to see where Brittany's going to go with this one. Hey, Brittany. Ooh, Ooh, Santa Anita or Del Mar? That's a tough one. It's a really tough question. And if I pick one, you know, my friends that work for the other companies are going to be mad, but... <laughs> Del Mar, don't hate me, Santa Anita. Santa Anita's home for me, but there's something really special about Del Mar where the turf meets the surf. It's a boutique meeting. So it's it's a dead heat almost. Let's say Del Mar by a nostril. I don't know how my other co-hosts feel on the show. The two most beautiful racetracks I've been to in the United States. Just walking out and seeing the San Gabriel Mountains and San Anita for the first time. Brittany, I almost shed a tear, literally. And of course, Del Mar, you got the ocean roll. I mean, it's just two fantastic venues you can't go wrong with either one right 
No, it's tough to pick. And actually, I had the opportunity of going to Sha Tin in Hong Kong, and oh, wow. they basically based their entire track and, and facility off of Santa Anita with the mountains in the background. So uh, it's a gorgeous place. It's a great race place for a reason. For sure. Paul, you got the next question, sir. Let's see. Brittany, I would just tell you, I like Del Mar so much. On my, on my annual junkets to Las Vegas, I used to fly over just for a day. I'd fly over, get a car, go to the track. Back in Vegas tonight. So it's, it's the second greatest track. I'm a Saratoga guy. I'm an East Coast guy. But, oh, okay. but your favorite track to attend as a fan, your favorite track to attend outside of California as a fan? I'd have to say Keeneland. It's horse country. There's something real. I mean, one, everybody in the surrounding area loves horse racing. You walk into Tony's or Dudley's and they've got horse racing on the TV. So it's just the area that it's in. You're in horse country. You can go to the farms and everyone is so darn nice. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's pristine. So I would say Keeneland would probably be my favorite track outside of California. Brittany, anyone that's been to the Lexington airport knows this story, and I'll be brief. I fell in love with Lexington and Keelan the second I landed, because when you go to the airport, I was waiting for my luggage, and then all of a sudden, I hear call to post. I hear da 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 I'm like, what in the world is that? And then the luggage comes out on the carousel. <laughs> love it. Whoever thought about that at the, Keelan Air at the Lexington airport, great idea. You felt like you were at home, right? <laughs> it was It was awesome. Uh, Kyle Roscoe, you have the next question. Completely. Um, so, Brittany, what's a bucket list track or a race day event that you never attended and you would like to? This one's easy for me. Australia. I've never been. We started covering it, and I started following it a lot more when Winks was on her insane win streak. And Mike Joyce, my coworker, had the opportunity of going to Australia, Royal Randwick, et cetera. So Australia, and I would probably pick – got to go to the Melbourne Cup, right? I mean, that's – that's on the list. I've, I've been to Royal Ascot, which I love. That would probably be my favorite event. But let's go Melbourne Cup because I've never been. A lot of people, uh, Matt Bernier, many people have given that answer, Brady. That's been a very popular answer. I hear they like to have a few beverages there as well. So maybe not your <laughs> beverage of choice, but I know they like to <laughs> drink there during that day as well. Uh, my next question, Brittany, is from me. The most exciting race you've witnessed in person, but sorry, I have to exclude Storm the Court and the BC Juvenile. Uh, well, then I'm going to keep it within the Breeders' Cup family. Yes, everyone witnessed my reaction to that win. Nobody witnessed my reaction to my dad's first Breeders' Cup win. And that one was very special because uh, growing up, you, my dad started in the claiming ranks and you never really thought that you were going to have that opportunity, let alone win. And so it was 2016 and Champagne Room was 33 to 1 in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. And I wasn't working. I was standing right next to my dad, and it was the first time I think I heard him screaming louder than I did. Come on, girl! So uh, that was really, really special because it was a moment that took my dad's career to another level. And as I'm sure people all know, I'm his biggest fan. So that was my most exciting race, aside well, from Storm. <laughs> say, say hi to your father for us. We, he does a great job as a trainer, and uh, perhaps we'll get have a chance to have him on at, at some point as well. Uh, uh, Pete, you have the next question. Oh, all right. Favorite betting angle. We need, I think we need, I know this. We need this one. We need a couple of them on this show, Britt. So, so, so give us a good one. <laughs> I think right, I know yeah. this, Brittany, because you're already chuckling. But go ahead. A lot of people don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> uh, first time gelding. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, I, 
I mean, honestly, I think Andy, if anybody's been watching FanDuel or TVG lately, Andy B and Cone talks a lot about first time geldings. Um, but for oh, whatever reason, that was great. Yeah, we have so good. <laughs> I heard um, that was I, great. She, she rendered my choice speechless. He couldn't, he, and Gabby as well. But I think you see a massive form reversal. And I've heard my dad talk about it a lot of time. If, if either a horse is holding too much weight or they're obviously mentally not really there, uh, you can see a horse run last in their most recent event and then win the next event. So it doesn't always work. I had a couple people at the track at Del Mar say that they keep betting the first time gelding angle and it wasn't winning that day. Well, okay, it's not always going to work, but I'd have to say that one. And I say it with a chuckle. <laughs> Uh, we have we have many people who are commenting positively. Just want to let people who are watching. We'll try to get some of your questions um, if we have time at the end. We have four more questions. Uh, Brittany has our ten minutes to post, and this one goes for Paul. Who are you most nervous or anxious to interview live on oh, air? This is a good question. This is a really good question. This is a tough question. Um, in the industry or outside of the industry? Either one, matter. but maybe before you answer your question, Bruce, I would say talk about some of the, either, but yeah, you can talk about some of the most famous people you've interviewed, what, however you like to answer it. Okay. Um, I try to put a lot of work into whoever I'm interviewing. So I do feel prepared, but sometimes you just, you stumble upon someone, you don't know who's going to be there. Um, I was, I'll, I'll say a recent one. Um, for those of you that don't know the Cody's Wish story, it, it was a really beautiful story about a young boy named Cody Dorman who was born with a very rare disorder. And he had this incredible bond with a horse named eventually Cody's Wish. And I knew that I was doing the Winter Circle presentation for that race. And I just wanted to make sure that I did it justice. So I was really, really nervous if Cody's Wish won. Um, what was the appropriate way of handling that winter circle presentation, uh, being able to give Cody his moment because this horse means so much to him it means so much to the family, just handling it the right way. Um, and I, I think from, you know, the analysts that we had on the desk from the interviews that were done in the winter circle, I, I think it, I hope um, that everyone really got a sense of what this inexplicable bond is between um, horse and human. So that I was very, very nervous for. But from a maybe from a celebrity standpoint, I was supposed to interview David Beckham at the Pegasus. It was, I think, the second or third year that the Pegasus was happening. I did so much research. He was just getting into MLS ownership stateside, and I wanted to be prepared. I waited on the blue carpet for a good two hours. Never showed up. <laughs> That's the way it goes sometimes. It's one of those things. And I'll give you a last one in the industry. And this is funny because I, I'm, I'm good friends with his daughter. Richard Mandela terrifies me every time I have to interview him. <laughs> Very dry sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, for sure. <laughs> Paul, do you want to tell Brittany your relationship with the Dormans for, very briefly? You know, I caught the photo of Brittany at Saratoga, and that was the way, you know, the story was out, but it still wasn't on the, the level it was, and I had a few days, so I was able to connect with the father, and actually, and, and I know Gabby did a great interview with him during the workout, I was able to have the, I sent the father a few questions, and, you know, he sent me a video of Cody answering, the, you know, on his tablet, and sent him a Saratoga special hat uh, to wear, and, it, you know, and as I say, that was before it became – it was kind of a big story. And then, of course, the Breeders' Cup took it to a new level. But I'll tell you, 
how could you have a dry eye with that one? It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Nice. Every time that story is brought up, it, it gives me chills um, because for those of us that are in the industry know how powerful horses can be uh, to the soul. I know that sounds cheesy, but but they really you, you witnessed it right there. So um, I, I hope that, you know, the rest of America can can jump on the Cody's Wish bandwagon and get to hear the story, too. Vote for Cody's Wish and for the Vox Populi Award. I strongly urge everyone to do that. If there's ever a horse deserving, Brittany, it's got to be that one for that particular award. Uh, we have three more questions. This one goes to you, Kyle. All right. Well, which on-air talent gave you the best advice early in your career? And if you remember it, what was it? So I actually used to call Mike Joyce Yoda, and I was his Padawan learner. So when I started at TVG, he was kind of put to the task of training me essentially. And so I shadowed him, carried his iPad. I would go through the entire form, uh, tell him which questions I was going to ask when I was down at Los Alamitos first reporting. And uh, he, it wasn't one thing in particular. Um, he loves to say that he didn't say anything nice to me for the first couple of years. So maybe that helped. Um, but no, he was always just directing me in the right way. Um, and I appreciate how tough he was on me because I think that that's the only way that you get better. Um, Lafitte Pinkai has always been a, a huge, huge support of mine and Nick Luck. So I, I've been really lucky to work with a lot of incredible people. Incredible. And coincidentally, Mike Joyce will be making a very small appearance on our show on Thursday. Brittany. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, and I met him at the Breeders' Cup. And I didn't meet you at the Breeders' Cup, but I was five feet from Matt Miller, my good friend Matt Miller, who <laughs> who you were, who uh, talked to you a little bit uh, on the He's apron. Right, I don't right know before the Breeders' Cup sprint. He's like, can right. you do a podcast? I'm like, no, <laughs> not right now. <laughs> That was funny. By the way, you were wearing a very appropriate, uh, lovely purple dress, if I believe, for the Breeders' Cup as well, correct? Do I remember that correctly? All right. Uh, two more questions, Brittany. This one's for me. Favorite horse in your father's barn right now and why? And obviously it doesn't have to be the most talented. Maybe it's just mm -hmm. the, the the friendliest, the, the the most gentle. Who's the favorite horse in the Urton barn right now? Uh, my favorite usually aren't the you know most talented in the barn. I have a feeling that the more talented ones have a bit of an edge. Uh, they're not the sweethearts that just want to cuddle with you, unless you're American Pharaoh, I guess. Right now, I would say it's a horse named We Miss Grammy. She actually, whatever, for whatever reason, the light has turned on. Um, she just ran second by a nose at Del Mar recently and uh, finally broke her maiden two starts back. But that aside, she is the sweetest horse you will ever meet. You can go up to the stall and she'll just put your head right in there, nuzzle you, and then you'll walk away. And she paused because she wants the attention. <laughs> she starts scraping. <laughs> but she, she's a cutie. We how, how often do you have a chance to go to the barn? How, how involved are you in the barn? I'm not as much as I would like to, to be honest. That's my favorite place. If I could do morning shifts every day and just spend time, you know, on the backside getting to hang out with the horses, I, I would love that. That would be ideal. But sure. obviously much of what I do is in the studios or it's down at the track. So I try to pop over as much as I can, but not as much as I would like to. Understood. Uh, Pete, we have the last question for the wonderfully talented Brittany Yurton. Go ahead, Pete. All right. Future professional goals and aspirations. Wow. That's a, that's a big, deep, that's a deep one for you, Brittany. That is a deep one for me. Well, I am a massive sports fan. 
So, you know, my, my goal would be to cover all sports. I, I love baseball, diehard Dodgers fan over here. So if I was given the opportunity to cover other sports, that would be huge for me. Um, I used to want to be an actress when I was younger. It's so funny. And now I find I, I'd rather ask people the questions and have to, you know, take over and become this other role. So if I could work in other sports, um, host a show, just continually get to work with interesting people that make me better each day. Um, I, I love, I love stories. So if I get to ask questions, whether it's on camera or off, doesn't matter to me to get to hear and share people's stories. That's really all I want to do. Brittany, we really appreciate your time. Paul, I know you've waited a long time. You've been asking me for months to get Brittany on. Paul, I'll let you have the last word or comment uh, for Brittany Erden. Paul's going to be let down. <laughs> <laughs> I just want... But I just want to know, Brittany, if that's your goal, what the hell are the networks waiting for? This, this seems to be a communication gap here. So we, we, uh, that, that has are, to happen. We'll, we'll, we'll get on that. Whatever you guys can do. Um, no, there's so many really talented men and women out there. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough it's a tough gig. It's not like it's... Um, Matt Miller is apologizing, by the way, at the bottom of the screen, Brittany. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, don't worry about it. It's a joke now. Uh, but no, it's, it's, um, I don't want to say it's a saturated environment. It's just a very competitive one. So have to keep working hard and never expect things to come easy to you and constantly keep learning. So that's, that's the goal. Hopefully, hopefully one day, but horse racing will always have my heart. Well, Brittany, we really appreciate you coming out of the HHH Racing Podcast. See that 10 minutes to post? That was a piece of cake, right? That's no big deal. Listen, we'd, like, we'd love to have you on for a little bit longer, like handicaps and races, and here, you know, so you can share some of your expertise. But appreciate you having on tonight. Uh, wish you uh, good luck with all your upcoming, you know, TV appearances and perhaps at the betting windows. And good luck to your father and happy holidays to, to yourself and your family as well. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for having me on. Happy holidays. I really appreciate it. And yes, best of luck at the windows or on the app. <laughs> <laughs> great. Thanks, Brittany. Take care. Have a Thanks, great night. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. All right, bye bye. All right, Paul. There you go. I I prom I made my thank promise. God, like, I, all I can say is all I can say is thank God Matt Miller is our friend. <laughs> well, Matt had definitely had something to do with it. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, shout out to Matt Miller well, for obviously uh, we knew that for helping get us on there. Um, Pete and Kyle, we're going to let you guys go here in just a second. Um, but you will be with us on Thursday. I believe both of you, correct, will be with us on Thursday, which is our next show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, of course, don't go anywhere. We've got Chad Brown coming on here in just a few minutes. But uh, Pete and Kyle, I know you guys have looked a little bit already um, at the possible uh, entries for the Cigar Mile and some bigger races. Pete, was there any particular names? I think there's one name that perhaps starts with a Z that our next guest might have something to say about that may be running. We're not even sure yet. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and we're talking about Zandon, so I, I guess if it's always good to see the, you know, the Triple Crown participants come back, and when they do, that's always the, the more popular, and we like to see how they're doing, and, and hopefully he's someone who can use this as a springboard to a, hopefully, and I don't really know the answer to this, I assume there will be a, a four-year-old campaign after this, so hopefully he can progress. I know Paul is a big fan of Zandon and, and sort of was through the Triple Crown process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, guys, we're going to uh, go ahead and uh, let you go. And Paul, of course, is going to stay on. Pete and Kyle, really appreciate your time. We will see you guys uh, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Have a great night, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks. All righty.
All right, Paul, let me go ahead and take uh, take care of uh, something here very quickly with our with our brand. Um, Paul Brittany's fantastic. She does a great job. We, we love listening to her. Um, her expertise is just is fantastic. And, you know, if anyone wants her to do baseball or something else, Paul, I mean, why not? I'm sure she's, you know, very oh knowledgeable about other sports. I, it's crazy I, to I me that if she wants that opportunity, I, she hasn't gotten it yet. Yeah. And I think if you can do racing, you can pretty much do anything because racing is all about storytelling. As he said, the, the stories, you know, the, the Cody Dorman story is an extreme example, but there are so many stories. Every race, there's a story. And, you know, if you spend any time on the backstretch in, in the morning uh, or at the training track or whatever, there, there are so many stories. So uh, I think if you could do racing and, you know, especially as well as she does it, that that would be a no-brainer for a network. And she already works for NBC, so let's make yeah. it happen, folks. Good call by Ross Blacker. Ross, how you doing tonight with Gene Edwards? Uh, made that yeah. transition. There's a lot of people that have uh, made that transition. Uh, Paul, as I wait in the background here for Chad Brown, um, I'll, I want to give everyone a little bit of, of insight before we bring on uh, Chad. I met Chad Brown at the Breeders' Cup Um uh, last, you know, well, actually still this month, but several weeks ago, um, one of the most, of course, talented, well-known trainers in the country. I want everyone to know at home, other than the comment I said uh, at the beginning of the show about making sure we keep everything respectful and cordial uh, in terms of people's comments, uh, is that this show had been planned since the Breeders' Cup. Um, and so obviously, uh, when you have an opportunity to have someone on uh, such as he, um, I felt like it was definitely something uh, worth doing. So just let everyone know we are, we're waiting. Um, Chad will be, should be coming on, uh, any moment now. Uh, Paul, while we're waiting here, um, let, let's talk about some of the races that, that are coming up. Um, you got the cigar mile, of course, that we're going to talk more about this on Thursday, uh, 8 PM Eastern. And also I should let everyone know, Paul, uh, this Saturday we will be live, live coverage right here on the HHH racing podcast of the Cigar Mile Day at New York. You got the Damozel, you got the Remsen. Uh, there's a fourth race, and it's 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 evading me now, Paul. I can't think off the top of my head now, but uh, there, there's four graded stakes. Um, the Cigar Mile is traditionally one of the, it's sort of like the last big handicap race of the year, Paul. Do you prefer, let me ask you a quick question, Paul, even though we don't have the entries yet. Do you prefer horses stretching out like really talented sprinters, like a mind control who's gone a mile, but he's really more of a sprinter. Or do you think you might prefer in general in these races, horses that are cutting back in distance, going that flat mile one turn at New York? Yeah, I, I think I'd need to come back a little bit, Howard. Uh, Jeff Amster, thank you. It's the go, for, go one. for one. Thank good, you. Good yep. point. Yeah, I think I'd lean, I'd lean to the cutback, especially where um, that, as you said, it is one turn. You know, I know in seven furlong races, that's one of my favorite angles. The uh, horses that are cutting back uh, from two turns to seven furlongs. So kind of the same thing. It, it's a one turn mile. And, you know, historically, it, it's been, uh, you know, to your point about racing not being over for the year, it's a grade one in December, but it, it's historically been a good race. No, it's been a fantastic race. I just, as you were talking, I checked my email to make sure uh, that I didn't see any emails and then I emailed. I'm sure he'll be with us here uh, in just a minute. Uh, there's been some very good horses that have run in the Cigar Mile. And then in terms of Del Mar, um, this turf festival, I know they have stake races on Saturday and Sunday, Paul. They have many stake races. 
I believe Chad Brown will be sending some there. We're going to ask him that question. I know he sent fluffy socks, I believe. Was that two years ago? Was that last year? I'm not sure. Um, but sometimes, you know, the way this turf course is out east right now, of course, the season is over for turf racing New York. Some of these horses are going to appreciate that nice, firm, uh, warm weather out in California, Paul, uh, and get on that nice grass. And, and I'm telling you, one of my, you talk about betting angles. Uh, turf horses who go east to west for me are automatic plays. And, and I mean, re- almost regardless of how they look on paper. I, I, I may be an East Coast snob, but I, I think that uh, the turf horses going east to west have a significant uh, advantage. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I would agree with you. Of course, we have to see the fields, and there is some home course advantage. But, um, you know, I like those East Coast horses coming out west in general. Paul, I'm uh, in the process of um, getting in contact with uh, Chad right now just to make sure everything okay. is, is copacetic. So, Paul, why don't we do this? While I, while I do that, uh, why don't we talk about um, some of the Eclipse Awards that are coming? I'll, let's just, I'll let you just spitball a little bit off the top of your head. Um, and you know, I'm always tempted to bring back, uh, actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring back Pete and, uh, Kyle, you guys are, I'm going to bring you guys back on here just for a minute while we, uh, wait for Chad Brown. So let me bring back my great co-host Pete Visco and Kyle Roscoe as I, uh, you know, try to get in touch with, uh, Chad here. Um, we'll just do a quick whip, whip around. I'll let you guys handle it. Let's start. Of course, the older division is going to be flight line. Um, I'll tell you what, Paul, pick a division. I know that we're spitballing folks. This is completely unexpected but excuse me um pick a division paul and um you know what what do you think i'll let you decide paul well i mean if you start with the youngins i mean you know uh, uh 40 or forte or fort however you want to pronounce it obviously you know in the juvenile he he pulled the upset in the in the uh, breeders cup juvenile and, and knocked off uh, supposedly the fastest horse uh Whoever lived, uh, Matt Miller. That's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> He's good. That was good. Uh, so uh, you know, he he certainly looks good. And you know, you talked about the older horses. You know, we, we talked about the uh, a controversial uh, letter written in the CDA by Gary West, not the owner Gary West, the columnist Gary West, saying that he wouldn't vote for Flightline because he didn't think he ran enough and. You know, I don't think Flightline ran enough either, but I think if you have a vote for horse of the year and it's not Flightline, that you should be uh, – your voting privileges going forward should be looked at. And you know, we have an incident. You know, we had a – and I am a voter, by the way, Howard. I am, I am a, a proud Eclipse voter as a member of the National Turf Writers and uh, Broadcasters Association. And it's a – you know, it's something that you have to take seriously. Someone decided last – He froze up, Paul. Hey, okay. Kyle. I, I'll, I'll, I, have a, I have a question for Kyle. I'll throw Kyle one. The the most complicated division might be the 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 three year old division. Who yeah. do you think? Who would you? I mean, I, obviously, Rich Strike, if he would have run better last week, was a lock for the win. But since he since he ran dead last, I assume he's probably not in the leader spot anymore. So, what do you what do you think in there? No, I. <laughs> Paul. Paul's covering his ears. He's done with us. But no, I did hear Rich Strike was training well this time of year. But um, other than that, I, I for me it has to be Epicenter, and I will be um, I will be hoping that Epicenter gets that award. Just how good he's run. Granted, I mean the Breeders' Cup, and I mean 
arguably no fault of his own, just unfortunate circumstances. He's ran so well. He won the Travers pretty very easily, might I add. I I think Epicenter wins three year of the year. Yeah, that's a tough one though, because it doesn't usually yep. there's a standout based on their Oh, go ahead, Howard. Yeah, I got it. I'm sorry. Uh, Chad Brown will be coming on in a minute, everyone. So everyone at home, we appreciate your uh, patience, but uh, Chad Brown uh, will be coming on in just a moment. Go ahead, Pete. No, I was going to say this is a this is an odd division this year, just because usually there is more of a, a leader in the clubhouse based on either the triple crown or the you know the post triple crown races, and there was sort of was beating each other. It was it was like a it was like a bad uh, it was like a bad division in another sport where it's like they just beat each other up and none of them take the lead. But I guess Epicenter had Epicenter never ran badly in any of his races, whereas some of the other contenders did, I guess. So that probably gives him the edge in, a, in an interesting division this year. For sure. Like you said, I mean, usually, you know, you have the Derby winner and then the Derby winner goes on to do some, you know, some really nice races further on. So, you know, you always have that kind of standout horse yeah. in the three-year-old division this year. But this is one year where, you know. I would still say Epicenter's a little bit of a standout in the regard, but I mean, it's definitely not as clear cut as it usually is. Howard, didn't you mention? Am, am I getting this wrong? Modern Games is a didn't wasn't that there too, talk yeah. of, of Modern Games? But usually the turf horses don't get again when they go head to head with the dirt horses. They have to be exceptional, and maybe he didn't run enough here to be exceptional like that. What do you? Yeah, think? I think it's less about the turf and more they just ran here twice, Pete. I mean, yeah, that's although too. his yeah. two runs were. I mean, wow yeah. moments, but again, yeah, you're right. It's usually dirt and they only ran, you know, him twice here, but I, I you can make a, you certainly make an argument for him, but that's just not what they, you know, traditionally do guys. I'm going to make a bold prediction right before uh, Chad comes on. Are you guys, everyone ready for this bold prediction? And, and, and Paul, I hope you took, took your uh, blood pressure, blood pressure medication. Here we go. And I'm, I'm serious about this. Deadly serious. Rich strike is supposedly going to Dubai uh, in March. My bold prediction Excellent. is Rich Strike will hit the board in the Dubai World Cup. What do you think about that? I mean, he's training great leading up to it. I mean, I can guarantee you that. I mean, that's a given. Yeah. My, my main feeling, to be honest, is he needs a break. He's going to love the distance. Name the great U.S. dirt horses out there right now after retirements and whatnot. You know? yeah, especially, I mean, especially a distance, too. I mean – Especially at you know, why going can't he clunk, can't clunk up and get in the money there? I, I'm, I'm I'm very serious about that. I really think it's possible. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Paul, you're gonna you push back. I can't wait. Paul's got no comment. He's stunned. He said I can't wait. <laughs> you can't wait. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, who's he's not gonna win it? Who's gonna be in the field? And you know, it's it's a long way off. But you know, he could hey, he could improve as a four year old. There's certainly plenty of room for improvement. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I like the backhanded compliment, Paul. That was excellent. That was beautiful. Um, up, update from Chad Brown. Again, I want to apologize to everyone. I know we have a lot of people listening. Uh, update from Chad Brown. Um, he's going to come on in about six minutes, and he also is willing to stay on as long as we would like. So thank you for that. He'll be on in about six minutes, everyone. So just be patient. In the meantime, guys, this gives us a great chance. Let me get back to him. Paul, why don't you pick another Eclipse uh, um, spot? Um, and I'll uh, section, so to speak, and I'll go ahead and get well, back to that here. Well, isn't the sprint an interesting division? What do you guys think about the sprint? I'm I'm trying to think about the Breeders' Cup, and um, you know, Jackie's Warrior obviously going into that race was the 
uh, prohibitive favorite. But, you know, unfortunately, I think he's a tremendous horse. And I'm very proud of myself for saying he. Uh, <laughs> but couldn't get it done uh, in the Breeders' Cup once, you know, uh, which is really unfortunate because I'll tell you, if, if you ever – yeah, you've seen him on TV. You see that horse in person. He just has gears upon gears. But And I really, I'll be honest with you, I thought that Cody's wish loss in the forego was just a byproduct of, you know, the extra furlong and Jackie's Warrior getting cooked in the pace. But, you know, uh, it, it just didn't work out in the Breeders' Cup. So I, I think that really uh, kind of opens opens the door. So to Kyle, speak. can you give it to a lead power? I mean, I That's... know usually they lean a lot to the Breeders' Cup winner, but, boy, I mean, he's got a very – uh, to say a soft win in the Vosburg is probably not um, – uh, it's accurate, but it's probably not fair. I mean, mm -hmm. he can only race against who he's racing against. But he did win the Breeders' Cup and beat Jacker's Warrior. I mean, Kyle and Pete, I, I, I don't know where you, where you go with that. I would say Jack Christopher. I'm sure uh, Chad Brown will agree with that statement. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really like, – like you said, a lot of these awards, you know, they kind of lean with that Breeders' Cup form. But, I mean – Elite Power broke his maiden at Churchlight thing in like June or something like that, right? This year, and then he went on to win five straight, including the Breeders' Cup and the Vosburg. So I'd have to look. I don't recall. You could be right. I don't want to say correct or not, but I th I think that's right. But I'm or um, but still, like you said, I mean, it depends on how much you weight the Breeders' Cup and comparatively, because Jackie's Warriors still won four stakes races earlier in the year, and obviously Jack Christopher ran really well as well. So it kind of um. Do we find agrees? Perhaps. Yeah, so yeah. it's like it just comes down to how much, how big do you weight the Breeders' Cup races in comparison to all the other stakes races throughout the year? I think when deciding division, especially like the sprint division, uh, easy fun money. That's a name that I haven't seen. Thanks for uh, joining the show, talking about Kyle. You're right. With Jack Christopher, I'm assuming he's Kyle. You are right. Third, third in the maiden at Churchill in May. Uh, one is Broca's maiden at Churchill in June, and then he won an allowance at Churchill, an allowance at Saratoga, the Vosburg, and the Breeders' Cup. It's, Good call, Kyle. I got to tell you what, what that's you, you can make a pretty compelling case. Hundred percent. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, Good night, Olive. Had an unbelievable year. I mean, I suppose they don't usually give it to a Philly, but. I don't know. That's well, not a bad. That's not a bad. going to be the right? female. Yeah. Right. She'll get the female. Yeah, she'll get the female. Right. For sure. I mean, the, um, the one division that would have been interesting, but it sort of got taken over late was the, was sort of the older, the older mares. What looking like a, a pretty tight one. It was maybe Clarier for a while. You know, Latruska was maybe at the beginning of the year, had a couple of nice races. Then Clarier sort of took it over. But then Malathat sort of locked it up with those with those last couple and Clarier having those those slip ups. But that would have been an interesting one. I think yeah. now it's it turned out to be pretty easy, though, in the end. I mean, we saw how close it was in the Breeders' Cup. So, you know, yeah, if it wasn't yeah. for that one race in the, in the middle at Saratoga, I mean, it might have been a really close race, but. Uh, yeah, I think Mal, especially with that Breeders' Cup win, I think Malathot locks that division. Probably, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think at and this then point. And then there'll be the the turf. I mean, yeah. the American turf horses here just not not great. I'm just curious to see what they do there. I mean, I I don't think they're gonna, you know, um, give it to Tuesday. Uh, that would surprise me. But um, I don't know. I mean, it, it it could be our boy Gufo. 
I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look at it more carefully. I wasn't really prepared to look at the eclipse possibility. Yeah. Side I never, I never loved the whole and 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 Ross to answer your question with with the with the Breeders' Cup. Good night, Olive won two Grade Ones, and those were the only stakes races of the year. So that's another one. Yeah, that's a thanks, Matt, in the in the chat there. But I, I never loved the whole the horse comes over, wins the Breeders' Cup, and wins the Eclipse, and they do that a lot in the turf divisions, unfortunately. But that just seems a little a little cheap. I don't know what you guys think about about that as a as sort of an end result where the horse just comes over. And yeah, maybe they're better than all of ours, but it seems like there should be a little bit more of a of a history for the year of running yeah, than that. I agree. What do you think? Yeah, I agree, Pete. I think you got to run more than once here. I really do. Uh, for sure. We've got, oh, look who, look who's on it. Justin Mustari. Uh, <laughs> Caravel. Well, listen, Justin, I know Caravel did just fine for you and many other people uh, beating a horse that, Paul, I know that you were against uh, for a while and you, and you picked your spot. Did you like Caravel at all, Paul? I know you were against uh, Golden Pal a bit you know in what? that race. That's a sad tale. I had Caravelle as a C in my pick, my vertical, my pick five. I didn't like her. You know, I can't say I liked her, but I certainly thought enough of her chances to include her as a C. And, you know, that worked out well. And as, as usual, there was a stumbling block later on. <laughs> Hey, we talk of we talked the whole year on the shows about mm-hmm. someone some speed on the turf getting to the lead. You just have to grab the right one. And our unfortunately our podcast never seems to grab the right one, but you know, that seems <laughs> that seems to be the way to win some of these races. I tell you, that's a cool horse though. Okay, that's, yeah, that's not exactly a glowing endorsement. Yeah, yeah, he didn't uh, really mean that, folks. He didn't I just, really I that. just meant when the speed gets on the top and runs away. Okay. That's the, un- the the only time we pick winners in every other circumstance. Obviously, <laughs> we, do, we do pick a lot of winners on this show. I, I have to humbly say, um, I think we covered what pretty much every division. I mean, Wonder Wheel's going to win. Actually, there's an interesting question. And once again, for those of you waiting, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Chad Brown should be coming on any moment now, and I promise when when he. Uh, it gets on, but we'll, we'll get him on, and we'll have plenty of questions and time for him. There's an interesting question on Twitter, guys. Wonder Wheel versus Hoosier Philly. I think is that the name for the the really talented Philly that mm-hmm. Tom Amos. Uh, yeah. Wonder Wheel obviously is going to win the Eclipse yeah. Award, but in terms of talent, this this Tom Amos horse looks. Yeah, that she should. Uh, I don't know who I don't know if she beat Kyle, but wow, did she do it impressively this past? Yeah, week? I mean, we all watched it. I mean, we co- you guys covered it. I mean. It's she looked extremely impressive in that race. And like you said, I mean, uh, Wonder Wheel won the Alcibiades and then went on to win the Breeders' Cup in a completely different fashion than she won the Alcibiades. But um, it's again, yeah, she probably has that locked up. But yeah, definitely an interesting runner coming into next year as long as she stays healthy and who's your Philly. Did you guys see? I didn't read the article. I just saw maybe the headline on Twitter. And Amos they talked about. Who's your Philly about the Derby? Is that Paul? Did you see anything? Did you did you notice that anywhere? I didn't yes. read to see where, yes. where that was coming Amos, from. Yeah, it's Amos has floated that. First of all, he has said basically he's said she's the best young horse he's had. And remember, he won the mm-hmm. Oaks with Serengeti Empress, so that's that's something to say. But you know, he, Tom is a is a Louisiana guy, and the Louisiana. A route to the Derby uh, has proven to be pretty pretty successful. So I would not be surprised at 
at all. If you see her in one of the, if you see her in the first one, if he wants to dip, because then he, you know, he's got all sorts of time to come back and win the Oaks, you know, a la Secret Oath, right? So uh, it, it would, I think it's great. I just think the storyline, uh, it just makes for a great story. Another thing to help us through the winter, you know, think <laughs> the possibility of a Philly on the Derby Trail. So hats off to Tom for even floating it, and uh, we'll see what happens. But B has looked pretty, pretty damn impressive as far as the Eclipse. It's, you know, I mean, frankly, she shouldn't get one vote for the Eclipse Award uh, based on, which, I mean, you know, this, this Wonder yeah. Wheel won the race if she had a win. And, and, and who's a Philly could very well be much better than Wonder Wheel next year, but the Eclipse is voted on this year. So, but, yeah, and Tom Amos is I, uh, not in it for the attention. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, we're, I'm going to go ahead and interrupt you guys because uh, Chad Brown is waiting backstage. So, uh, okay. Pete and Kyle, again, thanks for being on, and we'll see you guys on Thursday night. Thanks, yep. guys. All right, thanks. take care. All righty. Um, uh, Chad, if you can hear me, this is Howard. Just go give me a little thumbs up there in the back, uh, in the background. If you can hear me, Chad, a little thumbs up. Terrific. Okay. Um, Paul, this is very exciting for everyone here at the HHH racing podcast. I am very proud, uh, to bring on, uh, one of the best trainers in the entire world. I had the opportunity to meet him at the Breeders' Cup. Paul, I know you've met him and talked to him as part of working for the Saratoga special, Let's bring on the fantastic trainer from the New York area, Mr. Chad Brown. Chad, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry, I'm a little late, guys. Got a little hung up with my kids there. No, nah, absolutely no problem, Chad. We pre looks like you got some hey, trophies Chad. there in the background. You're all you're all set up. Uh, Chad, just want to first slightly apologize for Paul's sound. He's he's not at home. He just refereed a college basketball game. I know you're a big sports fan. So he's at a community college in a conference room. So if he breaks up a little bit, Chad, I apologize no, uh, for that. Or a basketball, my daughter's basketball game. So I, I uh, empathize. Terrific. So, Chad. Well, you're you not yelling at the refs, I hope, Chad. No, 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 no. Definitely. <laughs> leave them alone. Uh, Chad, as you know, we have a bunch of questions, and we have a, a, lar- a lot of people uh, watching. We're going to try to incorporate some viewer questions uh, as best we can. But we want to talk about a, a series of things with you. And, again, we really appreciate you coming on. I know you don't do uh, these types of podcasts too often, especially a live podcast, and have the opportunity to talk to our great uh, fans. So, again, thanks for coming on. There's going to be questions on the bottom of the screen, Chad, also that you can refer to, as well as questions from our viewers as well. Um, as you know, this is a big weekend coming up. A lot of people sort of have the feeling that, you know, racing season is pretty much over with the Breeders' Cup. But as you well very know, uh, as you know very well, that is not the case. There's big races, the Turf Festival Del Mar. There's the Cigar Mile Day um, in New York. So the first question I have at the bottom of the screen, give us all a little intel, Chad. Uh, which of your horses, if any, are running in some of these graded stakes this weekend? Well, we have Zandon's going to run in the Cigar Mile, which I'm excited about that. We've uh, freshened him up a little bit and cut him back to a mile, and he seems to be doing really well. So uh, we're looking forward to that. And then the Matriarch, we shipped two horses to California today, Dolce Zell and Regal Glory. Probably Regal Glory's last race of her career. So obviously won the race last year. So that's pretty exciting for uh, to still be one this late in the year. So those are really our main um, – Greatest take um, horses this weekend. 
We sent another filly out, Lagoria, to, to Del Mar as well, running the two-year-old filly stake on Saturday. Terrific. And, and Paul, I don't know if you have a question specifically about Zanon, but Chad Zanon was my uh, yeah. derby horse. I just think he's super talented. He's had a very nice year. I mean, to say disappointing, I don't think it would be very fair to you or the ownership. But, um, Paul, perhaps that turn back might uh, work well for, for Chad and Zanon. Wouldn't you agree, Paul? Yeah, I was going to say, Chad, it almost feels like this horse maybe deserves to win a race like this. I mean, third in the Derby when he looked like a winner coming home, uh, third in the Travis, which I know is a race you'd love to win, second in the Jim Danny. Of course, he won the Bluegrass, uh, second in the Pennsylvania. He, he's really – he shows up every time, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a very consistent horse. Um, you know, he hasn't, hasn't won since the, uh, since the Bluegrass, but – um, you know, he, he seems to fire every time and, uh, he's putting us in really good positions to, to, to win some big races. He's been consistent all year and, you know, I'm pretty proud of him to make it through, you know, a pretty tough three-year-old campaign and still be sound and training as good as he was before the Derby. So I do, to your point, I do think he deserves to, to really, um, win one of these races and, and, and end his season on a, on a really good note for a horse that's really showed up all year. And Rio Gloria's dance every dance, Chad. Unfortunately, she's run into another one of your uh, trained horses in Italian a few times this year. And Father Time, of course, is undefeated. And, you know, maybe she's lost a bit off the fastball, but what a fantastic career Rio Gloria's had, Chad. She, she has, you know, and, uh, you know, she might just be at the tail end of that, uh, of off her peak. But, you know, a couple of those, um, out of those last three starts, two of them, I, I don't think she really had a good trip either. I mean, even the Breeders' Cup, um, again, she was just parked way out wide the whole way. And it, these are tough races against the boys. Um, a, three back at Saratoga and the Forcer gave the same thing. And uh, I, I just think those are really challenging trips for her. And, and the First Lady, she got a really good trip and was second best in Italian. But I think the key for her is, um, you know, last year in the Matriarch, Jose just decided just to just let her roll early and it proved to be a really, really smart move where she got out in front and got over and saved Brown being in the front. But I think the key to her is um, just not giving her so much to do, um, especially really at the tail end of her career here. I don't, I'm not really looking for a wide trip. Yeah. Well, good luck with all three of those runners. Uh, Chad, I'm trying to, like I said, incorporate questions from myself and Paul along with our viewers. A quick comment from Easy Fun Money. Wants to comment, look all that hardware, Chad, you got in the background there. So Easy Fun Money appreciates that. Question from uh, Jeff Amster for you, Chad. How many horses did you buy at Tattersall's last month and when can we expect to see any of those horses? Thanks, Jeff, oh, for the question. Yeah, so um, for Clarevich, I think we bought about 16 or 17 horses, which is about what we've been doing the last few years. And what we do is we we bring them over um, to Ocala. We split them between a couple farms. We break them and we, um, you know, they'll start coming into me by about May. When we first started doing this Tattersall's experiment um, about five or six years ago, actually, Peter Brank gave me the idea. He's been buying them every year, too. And then I asked Mr. Clarm and he said he'd, he'd be happy to try to buy some. You know, we used to buy a lot of horses that were racing already. Uh, European horses really when I learned that from Frankel he was buying a lot of horses over there and then when I started training I they were sending they sort of sent them to me when I started doing pretty well and then I started buying some I had some money behind me but man it changed um, not not as many uh, people willing to part with their horses anymore either the prices were really higher they just 
you know, very few uh, people to buy off of. Now you look at European racing and, you know, you're not going to buy a horse off of, you know, the Dolphin or, you know, Wertheimer's or the Aga Khan. I mean, these horses is not for sale. So it, it, it's just, it got harder. And, and Mr. Brand had said to me uh, one day when we, he first got back in the game and he got hooked up with me is he was trying to get caught up on what he missed the last 20 years, you know, and how things were. And we started going over and, you know, <laughs> ironically, by Charlie was racing already but even then he said you know this is being this is pretty hard buying these horses and he's not afraid to to write write a big check for the right horse but he, he saw we're gonna have to do something different we have to like create our own horses our own system if we want european blood horses over here we're not gonna be able to buy enough of them so he was the one who really wanted to go over and um and so far we've we've been able to really cultivate our own horses from, from scratch so to speak from yearlings and just and develop them ourselves Chad, were, were any of your ownership involved in the Arcana sales in France in the last few months? Yeah, we I, we bought a few over there too. We're just looking to, you know, look for new opportunities, and and uh, we, we we're starting to buy some horses over there too. Terrific, uh, Paul. I'm going to let you ask the first question about our next topic, and I just want to do a very quick recap, Chad, about the uh, 22 uh, Breeders' Cup because uh, of course you had a wonderful story with Goodnight Olive. Uh, winning, and I, I'm just looking at some notes that I have here. That was your, I, I believe, 16th Breeders' Cup win in your career, which is absolutely amazing. And, of course, you did it on dirt. And so all those people that only think you uh, – there's some people that still, for some reason, Chad, think you only train. I know you're chuckling about it because it's so ridiculous that Chad's a turf trainer. It's so silly. But, Paul, Goodnight Olive was a great story. And then in Italian, also ran great. Paul, do you want to ask anything in particular? And as you do that, Paul, I'm actually going to bring up the stretch run of Goodnight Olive. Paul, go ahead. Yeah, I remember seeing Goodnight Olive at Saratoga, Chad. It was so obvious she was coming into her own, and, and she was kind of the – you see a lot of horses go into the Breeders' Cup that look like they're in top form, but for some reason they tail off. But, boy, she was just never in doubt. How, were you as confident in her going in as, as it looked in the way she ran? You know, I really was. Um Going to these Breeders' Cup races, like you said, we've had a lot of success in them, but I don't take anything for granted. I've, I've walked away. If we won 16 of them, believe me, I walked away 16 times over the last 15 years, me training, disappointed with horse-like <laughs> winners, too. That's how hard they are to win. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, when you're lucky enough to go into a Breeders' Cup race with a horse doing as well as she has and is consistent, talking about a horse that's only been defeated one time and it was her first start, it gives you a lot of confidence. Um, the closer we got to the race, we start looking at the numbers. It, it did look like she, there was a big gap back to second. If if I could get her to run, if we, me and my team, could get her to run back to that ballerina at Saratoga. When you handicap our Readers' Cup lineup this year, you know, you're always, even if, you know, we've had success over the years, you always have to keep adapting to what you're doing. Franco would tell me that. And, and from year to year, depending on where the venue is and a lot of other circumstances, um, leading horses up to the big races, you might change your approach a little bit. This year I had a lot of horses off layoffs. I chose not to prep them uh, with some horses and just brought them in fresh. She was one of them. And I think for her it worked. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I went in there with a lot of confidence, and I read did a good job to work out a good trip. Uh, and Echo Zulu, go ahead, I was go just going to say, Chad, Echo Zulu, you know, had a great year in coming off a, a good prep at Churchill, and, you know, she just 
and, and ran a very good race, a very credible race. And she ran away from her. You, Howard just showed the replay. She ran away from her in the stretch. Yeah, yeah, she really did. She ran, you know, like I said, my goal was when I decided not to run her in between, um, keep her fresh, a horse that's had some soundness issues. Obviously, look at her age and look at the time she's run. She's a lot like her daddy. You know, we had those that, but he wouldn't run much, but. When he did, he was effective, and I watched Frankel really space his races out. She she reminds me of him a lot. Um, same sort of issues we used to deal with those separate. Same for her, and um, and uh, you know the the fact that she was able to go in there fresh, I think really really helped her. And I was just trying to get her to run close to the ballerina. I knew in numbers it would be good enough, and she might have actually ran a little better. I Chad, I was. Uh... Had the privilege, I, I was in the BCBC uh, contest at, at Keeneland, and we had an opportunity to have a fantastic place right right by the paddock. So we were literally right there. I have to tell you, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the show, Goodnight Olive looked unbelievable in the paddock. And and I hope you don't get mad at me saying this. I was actually trying to beat her a little bit, only because she was such a low price, Chad. I mean, I love the horse, and obviously you guys do a great job. But just from a betting perspective, you know, I think she was 8-5, to five, and I turned to my friend, our co-host, Kyle Roscoe, who was just on. I said, Kyle, good night. Olive looks unbelievable. So you had her absolutely ready. Um, let me Quick question from Dewey Fan, who's a big fan of the show, no pun intended. I was going to ask you this, but, you know, Chad, all these European horses – are coming over to the United States for the Breeders' Cup, and they're, they're pilfering the village. They're taking all the money. When are you going to go over there, sir, and take some of that money? We'd love to have you go over there uh, right. to Europe. But in all seriousness, I know it's something you've been considering. Any thoughts for next year sending some horses over to Europe to compete? Yeah, that's a good question. So right now I don't have any um, that I'm planning on doing it with. It is a good question. You know, looking back on it, um, there was probably a horse or two in the past. I probably should have went for some some big races, and I, I didn't, and I, I do regret it. Newspaper record was was the one that sticks out. I I had uh, I had, had so much success in the Belmont Oaks when they first made the race um, right away. We were we won it a couple of years right away, and I think it's a great series in New York. And I don't know, I we do so well here. I just like to stick stay in my lane, so to speak, and just you do what I do. And uh, with her, she kind of she missed her whole three-year-old year. Just a wrong, wrong type of races going that far, and she um, she got away from us mentally a little bit. But anyway, that was one horse I should have took over there and ran in the coronation and, and right back to New in Newmarket where I bought her, and, and I think she would have done well. So I learned from that. If I have one like her again, I'll do it. Uh, in this current crop, I don't see anything that that steps out. But I can leave you with this: if you see me over there with a the top hat walking around over at Escott. I like my horse. If you see me go, <laughs> I like to, I like seeing the tips and tails. That that'd be that'd be a good good look for you, Chad. I look forward to seeing that. Um, on the bottom of the screen, Paul, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna talk a little. I'll let yeah, you good. ask the question about uh, Jack Christopher. Uh, Blazing Sevens, Chad was a horse I loved to be honest with the Breeders' Cup. Didn't quite fire. I, you're probably a little disappointed with that effort, but he's very talented. And then also, could you expound a little bit on? domestic spending how's the horse doing he was such he's such a beautiful horse i saw him at arlington last year at the arlington million because arlington's only about 15 minutes away from me um give a quick update on the health of domestic spending and then a little bit about blazing sevens and then paul I'll actually i'll let you ask about jack christopher paul sure so with blazing sevens i agree i don't have any excuse for the horse i love the horse going to the race he was training super and uh, I thought he got a, a very fair trip, and he just couldn't kick. He actually he was he was following um, 
the winner. And Forte, I believe. Yeah. yeah, the horse got away from him on the turn, and, yeah. and he, he just didn't have it. I was disappointed. The horse came out of the race good, and we're just resting him up a little bit down at Payson Park, and we'll get him back on the trail. I guess my hope is is that maybe he, maybe he just didn't love Keeneland. I I mean that's a that's just a hope, uh, not an excuse for the race. Everyone runs over the same track, but moving forward out of the race, if you have Derby hopes for the horse, that's what you really have to, you know, um, bank on is that maybe Keeneland wasn't his track. We can get him get him back on the trail. Um, you keep him two turns, Chad. He's by good magic, so obviously two turns you would think wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, it wouldn't, and he actually has a lot more range than his dad. So I don't, I don't right. think was the issue. He just, for whatever reason, didn't fire. So, and then with domestic spending, the horse is, is doing well. He's still at Rudin Riddle. We weren't able to get him home. Maybe this next week. I was just talking to Doctor Bramlage today about the horse and and about the whole case, and he seems to be doing doing really well. And um, you know, I think what people need to understand about that is, and everyone's been really supportive about it. I mean. This horse, and Dr. Bramlage, you know, confirmed this today. I mean, what, what we think is, you know, this horse, and he was off a layoff and we ran him in a Breeders' Cup race, but he had to work for vets a couple of weeks before the, the race just to draw blood, work, watch him cool out. And horse doing super. When a horse has a pelvis injury in a race, generally it happens out of the gate. So you break from the gate, you, in theory, might crack the pelvis very small. And then as the race goes on and the crack gets bigger, then until the horse feels it, then you pull the horse up. So horse breaking from the gate, running, right? If everyone wants to learn, listen out there, it doesn't matter what level race you're running in. You could be running at a claiming race on a Wednesday at Aqueduct, you could be running in the Breeders' Cup race. If you're talking about the first half of a horse race on turf, the, the pace is about the same as many races. And these, these injuries generally happen leaving the gate. So. The fact is, in a Breeders' Cup race, has absolutely zero to do with this horse's injury. You know, he was injured, unfortunately, and uh, we're doing everything we can. Uh, Mr. Carmen's gone to, to great effort and expense, and we're happy to do it. He's happy to do it to, to really save this horse. And, and the team at Root and Riddle has been super accommodating. Multiple vets uh, rotating, always looking at this horse, and he's getting the, the best care. And... Um, He's about ready to go over to the farm, which is great. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed he keeps moving forward. Terrific. And then, Paul, real quick about Jack Christopher. Yeah, I do. But I, I just want to touch on one thing, Chad. I've had a theory, and I wanted to see if there's any validity to it. I, I, it seems from afar that dom domestic spending was working so well. My, my question is, was the Breeders' Cup a goal or did the did the horse, once you started him back, was he working so well that he literally dragged himself into the race and you felt, you know what, he deserves a shot in this race based on the type of horse he's been and how well he's been working. I, I seem to think that maybe that wasn't a goal until the horse, but you can, you can answer it. Yeah, it's great, great question. So, Paul, a little of both. Um, earlier in the year, the Breeders' Cup was a goal with one prep. Then when I ran out of time and didn't have a prep for the horse, I temporarily just took it off the table. Um, because the horse is off such a long layoff, he had to work for, for vets and, and be checked with blood drawn and such, like I just alluded to anyway. So I brought him to Keeneland to get that all done. 
And as I looked at it more, I actually didn't see a race that really fit him distance-wise other than the Breeders' Cup. And I even thought that if the mile was a little short and um, he didn't win, as long as he ran well, and I, and I thought if he was training well enough to at least run well, finish well, like most of our horses do, then he could move on to the Pegasus race at Gulfstream. So it, you know, kind of interesting to use a Breeders' Cup race potentially as a prep. But when you have horses at this level, you can do that. And I'm experienced enough to know that. And this horse is good enough to do that. So um, I think he was lined up to run terrific. Unfortunately, the horse was very likely injured out of the gate. And, and that was brought to me by the world's best veterinarian saying, Chad, this is probably what happened, so you know. Uh, and I believe them. Uh, and, and here we are. So in the end, the very last work before I had no pressure on me to enter the horse, he did drive me into the race thinking, you know, not only could this be a prep, this horse might win the way he's working. So, um, and, and, and that's why he made the choice to run him. Chad, before we get in, Jack Christopher, just very briefly, a question from a, a wonderful friend and handicapper, Frank Mustari, who who is who just won. Uh, his son Justin uh, has just won a big tournament at Hawthorne. Um, I, I asked you about this actually at the Breeders' Cup um, um, sort of after party, so to speak, where I, where I uh, talked to you, and I was really happy because I think I know the answer to this question. You've you've obviously a uh, big big fan of uh, Tampa Bay. They have a fantastic management and their and their turf course is wonderful and we all Gulfstream has had some issues uh you know in the past but their turf course i saw a picture today chad on on twitter looks absolutely gorgeous you mentioned to me that you might actually be sending a string down at least early in the meet uh to see how they handle the turf is that correct yeah i'm really happy to to, to see that Gulfstream's gone to gone to a lot of effort to try to improve their turf course um, I haven't raced on it quite as much in the last years. A little, a little of both reasons that, you know, I didn't think Tila Turf Course was really up to par for what my horses would prefer. Not that it was ever really dangerous. I, I can't tell you I've had injuries down, down there or something like that. They just didn't really run that well. And um, I didn't like, really like the way the feedback I got, how it felt. Um, and also in the winter months, you have to rest your horses at some point, in my opinion, at least the way I do it. So, it just kind of coincides with a little bit of a winter slowdown for me anyway. So when you combine those two things, you're just not going to see me at Gulfstream much. Now that they've put this much uh, expense and effort into the turf course, and so far it, it looks good from afar, I'm going to try to participate a little bit more. Um, any of the circuits that I'm on, I mean, the racetrack's really my business partner. So I tell whoever the management is, look, I want to help you. You help us with accommodations and such often and if i can participate more and helps everyone then i'll do it so um yeah I'm, I'm looking to run in a little bit more and test it out and and uh be happy to tell you guys what i think after a little while yeah we're, we're excited to see your horses down there they're running this weekend uh on the or this week for the first time on that turf horse paul very quick any uh, quick jack christopher question then i do want to move on to some yeah. other things as well Yes, yeah, so just to review, Chet, you, you kind of preemptively scratched him. You felt he was, I think, healthy, but you your fear was that the vets may have scratched him right on top of the race, which is obviously a bad look for, for the sport, right? It's the biggest 
and, and I and I think it's happened to you before. Can you just talk a little bit about that decision? And you know, it's got to be a difficult one because you 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 know the horse better than anyone, and you're not going to send him out there if you don't think he's healthy. Tell tell us just a little bit about that circumstance. Yeah, so 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 Jack Christopher, thank you for bringing that up. The, the Jack Christopher really not a good moving horse. It's been been kind of well documented. I mean that this day and age when you have you know workouts and and everyone has a phone and there's videos of horses training and such, um, you know every everything's out there. And I don't have anything to hide. So you know I've always been one to. Anyone can tell you from me the racetrack manager for derbies and, and triple crown races and breeders' <laughs> cup. They give me a saddle towel, I put it on the horse. You know, here's my horse training, and everyone can see it, and everyone has an opinion. You know, that horse is a, a scratchy mover, I'd say, and he, he's just that's always been him. And how I manage and train horses, and I think a lot of top trainers do, you, you establish a par for your horse. And if they normally go that way, at least you, you get to know them. And, and if and if it's not a clean gate or they're a little off, I mean you you investigate as much as you can. And I think with that horse, we've been extremely thorough. And uh, for him, we've known him to be that way. The tracks that house him and the vets that have looked at him in numerous different regions, they have notes on him. That's the way it goes. So we got to the Breeders' Cup, and of course, there's a heightened uh, um, awareness i'd say an effort you know by all the teams to make sure we have as clean event as we can and i i totally support that especially it's all you know this is national tv and it's our chance to really sell horse racing and promote it not you know discourage people from from watching such so i get it uh you know they were worried about the horse he doesn't move well and and this and that and they started to 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 to, to really um um put the pressure on me maybe not to run the horse and Everyone has to do their job, and I'm not here to, to dog the vets because it's not an easy job. I mean, and looking at the horse, if I didn't know anything about the horse, I would agree and say, so it's not a good moving horse. But, you know, I, we have all the diagnostics available. The workouts are right there on its BP. They had a workout show. I mean, you saw the horse working. You know, you have to turn in your records. The horse had zero medication to work. So this is what you're going to get. Um, they, they just came to a point where they told me, not maybe, they said, we are going to scratch the horse. And I didn't really want to come out that week and say it that way. And um, so when I took it to the owners and I, I knew they've already made their mind up, I decided to take them out early in the week because I really didn't want it to be a distraction. And, it, and I think it was successful because it was a story for 24 hours, but it wasn't a story on the days of the event. And that's what I really didn't want. Um, so it was unfortunate and uh but it's i i quickly turned the page after that and moved on because i um there's really no sense complaining about it and, and getting into what ifs and such and like i said that with, with the veterinary teams they're not easy jobs so i i understand where they're coming from um in a way i don't agree with it but it doesn't make your job any easier so nope. it's well, Chad, we appreciate your transparency, and perhaps Jack Christopher will get. Uh, is, is that an Eclipse Award winner for you? Is that is is he Sprint Champion? It's going to be fascinating. I know yeah. they put a lot of emphasis on the Breeders' Cup, but boy, what a career and what a year he's had! So he has to be strong consideration for that award, don't you think? I'd say so. I'd say so. Th those type of things I've, I've learned over the years is, uh, you know, they're they're truly out of your hands. So sure. uh, we'll we'll see. I I mean, of course, I'm biased, and and I think okay. he's. Got 
shot at it, but uh, we'll have to see. Chad, before we talk into our next topic, and of course we're here with Chad Brown, and again, Chad, let us know. I know you said you'll be happy to stay on as long as needed. As long, but... as, long as you need, if there's questions from people out there, I'm happy to answer as many as you have. We, we really do appreciate that. And Paul, I don't know if, what your schedule is, Paul. He already refereed a basketball game and, and everything, So, but Paul, I think you're good for a while. I'm going well. to close the building. They, they, <laughs> they told me I'd be the last one out of Perfect. the building. Perfect. We'll, we'll get you a, you know, a janitor outfit if necessary, maintenance crew, and you can help clean That's up well. the place if necessary. Uh, Chad, this is a question from my wonderful co-host, Pete Visco, and also my good friend, Matt Miller. And this is something I've always wanted to ask you because uh, I enjoy betting, and obviously I bet a lot in New York and a lot of your horses. When you have multiple horses in a race, especially in big stake races, are there difficulties with instructions for the jockeys or strategy to ensure that you don't limit any of their chances? Because I've sat here and said, oh, it was the other Chad, of course, uh, that won the race. And what do we do, Chad? How do we bet your races, you know, when you have multiple horses? And then, Paul, I know you have a question sort of piggybacking on that. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll answer your question first. Is um... I don't, I don't really have any trouble with the instructions. Um, I normally just, you know, try to uh, allow the horses to, to, to fall into their natural running style. And I've said this before in, in interviews and there's, as a trainer, when you have multiple horses going for, for the same race or at the same talent level and same division, there's two ways to look at it. You can keep them separated the best you can. So then in theory, you know, you, you have less headaches from, from clients complaining and such for the ones that lose, or you can race them against each other and take the approach of, of um, let me just eliminate all of the what ifs um, and just let them settle it on the racetrack because, and that's what I obviously do. I, I choose to run them against each other. What I don't want is a client coming to me saying, I could have won that race if you let me run. So I'd rather just run the horse and take that conversation off the table and let them all run together. Um, I mean, and that look, if there's options, of course I'd love to separate them, but what I don't want to do is keep a horse out of a race that really deserves to run in the race. So that's, I always lead with that approach. And then I just deal with the aftermath when they cross the wire. Paul, you, I think you, you talked about a quite quick question based on that, right? Yeah. We talked a little last night, Chad. I, I think, um, you know, at that some point, you know, there's a six horse turf stakes and you have three of them. You know, at some point, I think you must almost become the victim of high expectations. In other words, it's a huge story if you don't win it. Right. And if you do win it, well, you had three. Out, you, well, you had three out of six. But I mean, you know, you have to get those three to that race. But is there a little extra pressure when you're in that situation where, yeah, you know, yeah, of course, he's supposed to win this race. Yeah, there is. And then there's some extra criticism one time while all the fields are short because this guy has all the horses. And those kind of things really frustrate me because I know and I see who's nominated and I see who runs out of town and such. And there's people there that just don't run. And and then I hate to say, well, we don't run because we have to run against you. We can't win. Well, I, I run. sometimes I run three in a, in a race of six. I'm not favored with any of them. So, you know, it, it's... So that, that's a little frustrating. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, you know, if you're if you're asking me about um, some of the slack if or you might get or, or the expectations if you don't win, I don't care too much about that. If if I'm expected to win and because I have to field or something and I don't, 
I, I don't, I'm not really concerned about that end of it. I, I can take that. I'm more concerned with why they didn't win. I get right to work trying to figure that out and what I could have done different or trying to evaluate the, the horses. But, you know, I try to, and the other thing is if I'm running multiple, it's normally in New York. You don't really see me do it anywhere but New York. And that's because my business is primarily based there. I have a lot of stall space between Saratoga and Belmont. Again, going back to something I said earlier, I view the racetrack through my business partners. You know, we're, everyone has a job to do. Everyone has someone to answer to. They do too. So, you know, if I can participate, if I'm using your facilities to house my staff, you know, house my forces, um, it's, it's costs a lot of money to run a racetrack in a backside. I mean, people don't understand. Uh, you, so if you're, you're, you're stable there, you're supposed to run there. And, uh, and I don't want to hear, oh, I'm 15 to one, or I can't beat this guy, or, you know, you're dealing with professional sports here. You're not always going to win. You're always going to lose more than you win. So everyone needs to really run where they're stable. And I run yeah. here a lot. And, and when you look outside of New York, you'll see, I really don't run multiples too much. If, if I do, it's maybe two. Um, so that's really the reason is because, you know, they're, they're my partners. We, we appreciate that. And Chad, we have a lot of comments that I'm not bringing up that everyone's appreciating your, not only being on the show, but your transparency with all this. So we, again, thanks for doing that. Let's, I, we have two. We have, no, thank you. Uh, we have two more quick topics we want to talk about, Chad. One is next year. Let's fo- talk a little about next year and some horses. I'm going to bring up something from Equibase here in just a moment. And then also I want to talk very briefly about your overall success and who you attribute that to. Um, so horses to watch for next year. Uh, you already mentioned the Pegasus, of course, is the end of January. That's, the, I guess, the real next big stakes day in terms of purses and whatnot. There's the Pegasus turf. There's the Pegasus filly and mare turf and of course the pegasus itself i'm going to go ahead and bring uh on the screen chad right now and you certainly do not have to talk about every single horse you're going to see on the screen but what i'm about to show you are the top money earners from your stable in 2022 now some of these horses we know are retired but if you want to just very quickly talk about any horses you'd like that i'm about to show on the screen and then also expound excuse me on who might be pointing to the pegasus uh, card at the end of January. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, bring this on the screen right now here. Let me go ahead and bring this up. Oh, sorry, let me bring it on right now. Here we go. I'm the editor. I'm the producer, Chad. I do it all. So sorry for the button pressing here. Let me take this off the screen. Okay, here are your top uh, earners. I'm going to make this a little bit bigger in uh, this year. Well, not that big. Uh, let's see here. Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back a step. Sorry about that. Let me go back one. Okay. Uh, I'll keep it at that. You can, I, I'm sure you can see that, Chad. Yeah, um, the horses, of course, some of these are retired. Which ones are you looking most forward to running uh, in 2023, if that's a fair question? Yeah, so well, with Zandon, we'll have to see how this goes. We had planned on giving him a break after the PA Derby. Then we kept him going because of the cigar race. It was very interesting. I'm happy we did because he's training good. <laughs> Big question is going to be if he, if he runs the way we think he will Saturday. You know, in theory, he's just supposed to take a break. It's like a pitcher and you do a pitch count, right? And he, sooner or later, the math just adds up. You're going to have to, this way you got to look at it sometimes as a, as a manager. But I'll tell you, you know, when you look at this Pegasus race in January, who's really going to run in it? A lot of horses retired. It's 3 million bucks with no entry fee. 
mile and an eighth on the dirt seems to be his distance. So I have to really think about that one if I want to keep him going. Uh, early voting, as you saw, he's he's retired to Coolmore. In Italian's going to be back in training. So you'll probably see her, um, hopefully, in the Jenny Wiley. We know that she likes Keeneland. Um, uh, Regal Glory will be retired. McCulloch is getting a rest at Payson Park. Um, she'll be back next year. I think a good target for her, it might not be her first start of the year, but the New York handicap at a mile and a quarter at Belmont. As you saw, we will be racing at back at Belmont for that right. summer, which is good. Get on that turf course over there. Um, good night, Olive's back, going to be back in training. So I think a, a race for her, maybe that race at Keeneland, followed by the race at Churchill, maybe. I do think good night, Olive could stretch out a little bit at some point. Mm. Um, so we might experiment with that a little bit. Bleecker Street was injured. Um, I thought she was going to be retired. It ended up being not as bad as we thought. We did bring her back to Payson recently. We're going to see if she can hold up to some training. So far, the the prognosis is actually way better than I thought. She'd have a soft tissue injury minor. So she's going to be back. Adamo's getting a rest. He went way off form. You want me, you want me to keep going? Well, uh, just, I, just, I just want to say we are a big fan of Bleecker Street. Yeah. We Many of us on this show, myself included, cashed on Bleecker Street at Tampa and other places. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, it was, Diaz did a great job. Uh, riding or what a, what a great story uh, that horse was and congratulations on on the training job of the Bleecker Street this year we we enjoyed watching her run Chad she I'll tell you what she was uh, she's a pretty cool horse to come from pretty modest uh, start from talking about Meadowlands and Monmouth and you said uh, Hector Diaz really did a great job getting along yeah. with even in my barn of, of you know stars and future stars here's a horse that emerged from really nowhere a well-bred, good-looking horse, but I had no idea she'd be a turf horse or, or get to that level. That's why I started her off sort of in AAA. And it, it goes to show you, um, again, to other sports analogies, sometimes you go out on the minors and, you know, you start hitting 350, and all of a sudden you come up to the majors pretty quick. And that's what happened with her. And then we threw in the starting lineup with the, the big girls, and, and didn't she handle them? So oh. I with you, she, she earned everyone's respect on our team. Uh, I have one more horse I want to talk about, Chad, for next year. And I bet this uh, filly, I think she's fascinating. Can we talk about Salima just for a second? I'm going to bring up the replay yeah. of the winter memories. Um, I talked about her on this show. She won a few weeks ago. Uh, she'd always, I always thought she had talent. Been watching her replays. She's a little bit rank. She's a little bit immature. But mm -hmm. it looks like you've got her to settle very nicely. And I'm going to go ahead and bring up the stretch run of the winter mem memories. Everyone pay attention to the three horse here. Salima. Chad, talk about this filly and how do you think she's going to be uh, in the future? So, yes, we loved this filly. We, as you've probably caught on in recent years, getting back to the Gulfstream turf and such, you know, being a little little frustrated with how some of our horses handled it. You, you've seen recent years, we started some of our better horses at Tampa. If I have um, maidens, newly turned three-year-olds that are still maidens that we really like, Horses like Salima, in Italian, domestic spending, digital age. I mean, all these horses debuted over at Tampa because the course seems to fit them better. So she did. We loved her, and she just galloped the first time out like we thought she would. She came out of that race. She injured her ankle, unfortunately. That's why I didn't hear for a while. When I brought her back, I think it was at Saratoga, um, she didn't run that well, and it really confused me a bit. 
Well, after that, we got her back on track with a, a couple wins in a row. And now she's back to what we thought she'd be before we debuted her. What is she going to do next? I'm probably going to keep her going um, and try to run her in that American Oaks race at the end of the year at San Anita. Just because she's so lightly raced and missed the whole center of the season, I feel like she doesn't need a break right now. I believe that's a mile and a quarter, correct, at San Anita on their uh, opening day card, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The way Terrific. that she in that replay you showed, it, it certainly looked like she's can get a mile and a quarter. We'll see. Uh, Paul, my last qu- – I'm going to let you lead off, Paul, with the next question. Our last topic, uh, Chad, is uh, – and I'm going to bring it up on the screen. I'm going to show some stats. I'm going to show a few things. The overall our, our overarching topic here is to whom or what do you attribute your success over the years? You know, you have a fantastic team behind you. Um, McClarevich and, and Seth Klarman and Peter Brand, et cetera, just wonderful people. Paul, do you have a question that you'd like to ask about his team or his uh, connections he's got behind him? Well, yeah, yeah, it's related, and, and it gets back, I think, to the multiples, Chet. You know, you seem, it seems like you spend a lot of time uh, determining which jockey might fit which horse the best. Obviously, you know, you have top guys. You you have Irad and, and – You've ridden Flavian a lot over the last few, year or so with great success. But, uh, you know, Manny Franco's had good success for you. Is that fair that, that you spend maybe – I know all trainers do it, but do you, with these top horses, really make a conscious effort to, to try to line up the jockey whose style you think fits the best with the horse? And that's the question from Steve at the bottom of the screen. You can read that. Sorry to interrupt you, Chad, but a lot of people have that question. Yeah. Yeah. Same idea. Yeah. It's a good question, too, from Steve. So, Paul, yes, um, certainly. I, I do spend some time on that. And I think as, as you go, you sort of get a feel for your horses and, and your jockeys who you're using. And I'd say more on the turf um, than the dirt for me. Um, not, not that dirt dirt race doesn't involve some specific maybe skill or chemistry between a jockey and a horse, but I find it to be maybe just a little bit more important on the turf with the, um, the pace of the race and the, the tactics used and such, I, I think. So um, I, I just really go by feel and I, I don't have a specific um, sort of um, recipe or a list of parameters where I, you know, I, I try to fit certain jockeys and certain horses that way. I just sort of see, um, you know, it might be horse something, it might be, you know, horses that pull a little bit or something like that might be, you know, better with certain horses. It might be the size of the horse. Um, um, it, it could just be, you know, the overall gait of the horse. You know, some horses just move a little bit different. And I, I can just see, I think when you're training horses, one, um, one thing that really comes in handy is if you have a, a good imagination. If you can see stuff before it happens, you try it anyway. You try to figure out how something's going to look before it actually gets put together. And I think the more often you can be right with those situations, you're just going to win just maybe a little bit more. I'm not always right, but I try to figure out when we're training lots of these horses who's going to fit them. And, and like you said, Paul, we have a lot of the best jockeys available. And oftentimes, maybe it wouldn't have mattered who, who, who was on the horse. And I'm not only saying that with the ones that won, the ones that ran bad, too. It didn't really matter. It wasn't their fault, you know. So I think there's a large percentage of horses that do fit into that. 
but I also think there's some important decisions to be made. And I think certain horses' careers would have looked, turned out much differently if we weren't able to establish the right rider on the right horse. Chad, I want to uh, finish our show with just showing some accomplishments that you've had. And it's just absolutely amazing. I We deep dive here on the show. I make sure I, I do my research. Paul and I have both been in the game one way or another for, for decades. I'm going to show on the screen some accomplishments here that you've had, which are absolutely unbelievable. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of most of these, although the stats change all the time. For those people that are going to be listening to this, Chad, later on, on our audio platforms, let me just read what I have on the screen. You have 2,328 career wins. You're approaching very close to $250 million in career earnings, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, 25% win percentage, 59% in the money finish, four-time Eclipse Award winner, 16 Breeders' Cup wins. I had to put up there, Chad, 13 seconds, which is pretty impressive. It's like a golfer, right, that Jack Nicklaus has won the most majors, but he's also finished second like a zillion times as well. So that's impressive also. Two Triple Crown victories, of course. 17 grade ones this year. So he said. I, know, I know this is a really tough question, Chad. Is there one stat that you see on the screen that you're most proud of? <laughs> well, thank you for, for putting that up. Um, oof. I think um, – Well, that's I, most difficult to accomplish, perhaps. Yeah. I, I think on behalf of my team, I'd say, because really they deserve most of the credit – I think the, the, all the Breeders' Cup success between the wins and the runners-up, I mean, these are massive efforts that you're um, going in with a lot of different horses to manage. And I'm proud of that because you're talking about between the wins and the runners-up, you're talking about horses in all different categories, dirt sprinters, mile-and-a-half turf horses, two-year-olds, six-year-olds. We've won with Breeders' Cup races. So when you and your team can show that you can train any kind of horse – I think it's very rare. I think that I was lucky I learned from a guy that could train any kind of horse. Um, so, and I've tried to always mentor and teach um, my coworkers and my teammates, share with them what I know. A lot of them have a lot of um, God-given talent anyway, or they wouldn't even be able to apply what I teach them. So they're talented people in their own right. And a lot of them come to me with some, some experience, but when you're able to share with them and they're able to take it to the next level, and then I'm able to recruit horses for them to work with, and it all comes together. I think the Breeders' Cup um, really shows because of the versatility of what we're able to do with, with a lot of horses. Um, that's what I'm most proud of. And Paul, the consistency we can see on the screen. I mean, Chad has been consistently around 25% and around 60% for years, Paul. That is not easy to do. Paul. Oh, Paul, can you hear me? Up, oh, did we lose Paul? Paul, can you hear me? It isn't, but I, I, I do want to talk, Chad, about one thing that was not on that. Yes. I'm here. Uh, yes. Sorry, you, you're, you're going in and out, Paul. Go ahead, try it one more time with your question. I'm here. Go ahead, Paul. Go with your question one more time. You were going in and out. Oh, I got it. I got it. There we go. Did you have you a good? question, Paul, real quick? You weren't talking? Yeah, Chad, okay. I wanted to talk about one thing that was not on the screen and, and get your opinion. You can win. I know you want to win all the big ones, but Derby or Travers? And I know where you grew up and where <laughs> oh, you're from. Boy. And I think it's well, a hard question. I got from Mechanicsville. That's a pretty question. tough question there, Paul. 
if you, it, it's real simple answer. It's a real simple. You ask me in April, it's a derby. You ask me in July, it's a Travers. <laughs> Same every year. Uh, there we go. Fair. Well, hope, hopefully you'll get both of them at some point. Uh, Chad, before I, before we let you go again, everyone here at the HHH Racing Podcast, and especially myself, we really appreciate you coming on, giving us all the time uh, with our viewers. Hopefully a lot of people there watching at home had a lot of questions, answers. Anything else you'd like to uh, close with, uh, Chad, to end the 2022 uh, racing season here? No, just th thanks for having me. I want to tell you, be happy to come on again and and uh, and answer any questions any anyone has out there. I'd love to show more, explain more what we do or how I approach things, or let them into a little bit more inside to 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 answer anything anything you you'd like. And for you two gentlemen, you know when when you come up to Saratoga, I'd like to invite you out. Just ride around me in the morning. I take a lot of people out with me, and if you can see the training from the inside, and it's a good chance to ask me more questions and such a lot of people that have been with me will, will tell you that um you know i might not be one to always unless i have a platform like this or if if you were you know right around me in the morning you're not going to get a lot out of me so <laughs> it might be a little bit of a shock that i'll, I'll share this much but you know, we, we do our best chad we do our best <laughs> both things want to have me uh again have, have me on and be happy to do it and be happy to have you guys out in the morning so Thank you, Chad. I will. Paul's there several times because he, of course, writes for the Saratoga Special and Tom Law. Um, I'm a Chicagoan. I will be up for Whitney Week, though, guaranteed with with many people. I, I'm sort of my posse, so to speak. And so I'm, I'm going to take you up on that offer, Chad. We'll be in touch. And I'm very excited to hopefully spend a little bit of time with you as much as you uh, can give them, perhaps during Whitney Week. How does that sound? Well, I'll only take you unless you open up Arlington. If you can get that done. Oh, my goodness. We need another hour now for this show, Chad. You had to go there. Believe me, you and I, from your as my parents used to say, from your mouth to God's ears, uh, that's a whole other story we're not going to get into. But I know how much you loved Arlington because I saw your freaking horses run every every win every race, the Beverly D, the Million, the Pucker Up, the whatever. You had, you had, a, you had a trophy you want to show real quick? Somewhere. Okay. Anyway, yeah, hopefully, you know, that that's probably uh, never going to happen. But any Arlington was a, a special place. Chad Brown, thank you very much, sir, for coming on. We're definitely going to take you up on the offer to come on again at an appropriate time. Good luck this weekend with Zanon and all your other runners in California. And then have a fantastic holiday season with your family as well, sir. Take care, Chad. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Same to both of you guys. Thanks for having all right. me. Take care. Good night, Chad. Bye-bye. All right, um, Pete and Kyle in the background, I'm going to bring you guys on real quick, if that's okay. And uh, Paul Chad was fantastic, as we know, we knew that he would be very transparent. And I also want to say, let me bring Excellent. Pete and Kyle back on. I want to say on behalf of everyone on this show, all of you that are watching and commenting, we really appreciate, uh, myself especially, uh, the positivity that was out there, the appropriate uh, tough questions that we asked. Uh, Paul, I thought Chad was fantastic and very transparent, Paul. Yeah, and we got news. Zandon's running. We were curious there about that. Uh, we got uh, Zandon's running, and uh, uh, he talked about keeping uh, – oh, God, I just heard him. Uh, who was he talking about? Staying on uh, – uh, uh, Paul, I'm going to cut you off a second, Paul, because you're uh, – uh, Paul, you're cutting Celine. out, so I'm going to I'm going to interrupt so, you. Uh, Pete and Kyle, Celine I'm going to go. Uh, 
Okay, I'm going to take Paul off the screen, actually. So, Paul's going senile on us. Sorry, everyone. Sorry about that, Paul. Paul, feel free to stay in the background, but I'm just going to take you off for the last two minutes. Pete and Kyle, did you gleam anything from what Chad said? Pete, I'll let you go first. And as you talk, Pete and Kyle, I'm just going to randomly bring up some great comments about the show from our wonderful uh, audience members. Pete. No, honestly, I think the, the coolest thing was was um, just Chad going down when you had the list of horses up. He, I, it seemed like he would have went through his whole stock if you would have let him. So he was sort of just running down the list. And it's always cool because the one thing we don't know as outsiders sometimes, unless you read it in an article, is what are, what are the thoughts? What's the trainer thinking? Is he thinking, hey, this horse needs a layoff because of X, Y, and Z, or this horse is coming back because of this or, or this and that we're not, we're not always privy to that information. So to hear, you know, a trainer with so many top quality horses to hear just, you know, a little bit, it's and bits about each one of them. That, that's kind of cool. And you don't get that. Kyle, before I let you respond, mm-hmm. I just want to say uh, anyone that's watching us for the first time tonight, we really appreciate you. Please spread the word about the HHH racing podcast. Check out our power picks uh, through Patreon. Look below the video player. Um, subscribe, tell your friends. This is this is a bit abnormal tonight just from the fact we have such star power with our guests. But if you're new to the show, we give great handicapping shows on Thursday nights. We have wonderful interviews with other trainers and jockeys. I've had We've had Tom Durkin on. We've had Lafitte Pinkai. Uh, we've had a lot of people on. So if you're new to the show, thank you very much for uh, joining us tonight on the HHH Racing Podcast. And don't be a stranger. Kyle, I'll let you have the last word. Chad was great. Any, anything that he said that sort of struck you? I mean, it's just like when we met him uh, Breeders' Cup weekend. He's just, you know, just I'm very impressed with how transparent he is and how willing he is to talk to. Because like we said before the show, you know, he doesn't do very many of these, you know, no. live podcasts at all. So the fact that he was very willing to be, you know, fully transparent with all his Breeders' Cup horses and, you know, his plan for basically his entire, you know, stakes uh, winning stable. So, um, you know, it was just extremely uh, cool to hear. And I see a lot of positive in, uh, comments in the chat about, you know, him being so transparent and being willing to answer all the questions, especially from the viewers as well. So just, yeah, hats off to him. Very it's amazing to listen to. Yeah, uh, it's great. And this, it, it would be nice, Pete, to have the kind of stable that he has. He can just – he just reloads, right? It's like it's yeah. like University of Kentucky. It's or Kentucky. The, yeah, I was just thinking you know, this. whatever, just pick your favorite team, right? Just They don't rebuild in the Chad Brown uh, shed row. They just reload, don't they? No, and it's not like, yeah, when you start listing the owners, you're like, yeah, it's nice having those pockets behind you too. That I'm sure he's a fantastic trader, but it helps when you're getting the, the best stock in the world too. Yeah. And we know this is some great trainers out there. And you say, man, this one would be great. And then you see them get one of those really top horses and you go, oh, this one's showing that they can train as well. But it just sometimes it's a combination of the stock, the talent, the know-how, the skill. And then all that bubbles up and you become what Chad's become. Yeah, well, he's, he's a true force and we wish him luck and we thank him for uh, coming on. Uh, guys, next Thursday night, forever and real quick on the bottom of the screen, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, a quick Mike Joyce from FanDuel who Brittany Erden brought up, will make an appearance. But we're also going to be talking about Del Mar and Aqueduct Stakes. We're not going to talk about a pick five. We're just going to talk about a bunch of stake races and preview them. So check that out on Thursday. And then we're live this Saturday. I, it's going to be about 1.30, about 2.30 Eastern time. We have to see what the uh, what the times of the races are. We'll be on live to talk about Cigar Mile Day in New York. 
for uh, the our referee friend who has left the show, Paul Halloran, and my wonderful also uh, co-host and contributors, Pete Visco and Kyle Roscoe. This has been Howard Kravitz, episode 209. What a memorable HHH Racing podcast show with Brittany Erden and Chad Brown. Have a fantastic night, everyone, and we'll see you hopefully this Thursday night and this Saturday afternoon. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Thank you.